Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Jokic behind his back. What a taste like Jokic. your sitter. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. You are listening to the Denver Stiffs Podcast Network, and it is 2019. We have made it. Let me tell you guys, I barely, I barely made it, man. I don't know if this is an omen uh, for things to come. I certainly hope not, but uh, let me tell you, I was feeling pretty, uh, pretty lousy last evening about nine o'clock so i went to bed did not make it to midnight didn't even get close uh and then by about 4 a.m in the morning i was awake and hurling my guts out so and i didn't even drink um in case that's what you were thinking uh so i don't know i don't know what that uh what that means for me in 2019 but what it means for right now is we're going to power through this podcast get it up for you guys and get moving on we got that new game tonight uh against the new york knicks emmanuel mudier returns to denver uh, I brought in Kayla Osby and Evan Fiala. We talked about that. We talked about just kind of, you know, where the Nuggets are right now since the beginning of a new year uh, and where that compares to the teams that we've been fans of in the past. Um, and then we look forward to those final final couple more games we've got going on this upcoming week, what we've got at Sacramento and then home against Charlotte. Uh, three three fairly winnable games, certainly, but we, we get into that and in, in which one of those is maybe the sneaky one and whether or not the expectation should be uh, for the Nuggets to win all three. So that'll be the second half of the show. First half of the show, we'll just roll solo. We were trying to get Mr. Brandon vote, but uh, that was my fault when we were supposed to record. I, uh, old man that I am, fell asleep on the couch and then Brandon was off. And traveling the wide world as he does, because he is an international man of mystery. Uh, I hope Brendan's listening to this. But uh, so we we do not able to get Mr. Vote this week. So it's just gonna be me. Uh, past couple weeks we've been doing it like this. I hope you guys are okay with that. I know I can ramble sometimes and be a bit boring. Uh, certainly not the the entertainment value of a Mr. Vote or a Mr. Gross or Mr. Blackburn. But um, you'll have to you'll have to survive. So uh, we'll do what we'll do for this first portion of the show. Is let's just let's just go back. Uh, the Nuggets, of course, had two wins over the weekend. They get on Friday night. They get the win uh, against the San Antonio Spurs here at home. Follow that up on the back-to-back and uh, survive one out there in Phoenix. Looks like man, it's an interesting game. But you know what? Let's uh, we'll, we'll get into this. But you know, on back-to-backs, I'm actually kind of not too surprised the the way the game went down like it did. So let's get into it. I think the first thing to talk about in those two games has got to be Jamal Murray, right? Jamal uh, struggled mightily in that game in San Antonio last week. Really wasn't shooting well. Uh, starting to get a lot of criticism, I think, out there in the social media sphere. People are starting to maybe, you could say, the shine coming off of Jamal Murray a little bit. And then he comes back with those back-to-back performances uh, in San An- or not in San Antonio, home against San Antonio, which was, I think he got like 31 points in that one. And then uh, he goes, of course, and follows that up in Phoenix with the 46-point outing. Uh, there now the Phoenix game. I mean, that's that's Jamal. That's peak Jamal, right? We know when you get Jamal going like that, uh, like we saw against the Boston Celtics earlier in the season, you know that that's that's his his number one, I guess, selling point. You could say, right? Like he can fill up the the scoreboard faster than anybody else on the team, save for maybe Michael Porter Jr. We don't know yet. We haven't seen, but that would be the only other guy I think who at least has the. Uh, clout around him the offensive clout to be able to put up points like Jamal did uh, of course though when you get when you get him on a roll like that you pretty much just just step back and let him do his thing right that's that's pretty much um, 
all you all you need to do because that guy is he gets he gets to the point where he's just unconscious and he's knocking down every shot three pointers fadeaways uh, pull ups whatever it is he he's pretty much crazy layups at the rim he pretty much gets whatever he wants to go in and so then you know that's that's kind of what everybody that's the ideal. Uh, Jamal Murray, right, in everybody's mind, is the guy who can take over a game and can just fill up the scoreboard and can shoot you uh, right into a game and, 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 and win a game just purely on his shooting. That uh, There's nobody else, again, maybe save for Michael Porter Jr., we'll have to see, but there just doesn't seem to be anybody else on the roster who has that ability and I think it's an important ability for a guy to have on a team I think you need that guy because you know we, obviously Nikola Jokic we, we saw kind of what he did what San Antonio did to him in that game in San Antonio and how they can take the ball out of his hands can't necessarily make him a non-factor he's too good of a passer that when you double team like that he's going to find open guys but you can at least take the ball out of his hands and make somebody else score it and then in that night nobody had it so uh, San Antonio gets that gets that win, but in the other two games now, you know, if you have if you had that Jamal Murray in that game in San Antonio, you probably win that one, right? Because that's that's the key to him. If teams are going to take away Jokic and force Jokic to be a passer, then the Nuggets have to have players who can make them pay with shooting. If Jamal Murray is on, it doesn't matter how well he's covered. That guy's going to get shots to go down, and he's going to make teams pay, and they're not going to be able to focus solely on Jokic because they're like, man, we got to double, triple team this guy over here because he's knocking down every single shot, and he's killing us from the three-point line. That's that's the role they need Jamal to be in, and and that's, that's what we saw in the Phoenix game. In the San Antonio game, uh, the home one, it was a little bit – a little bit different. There was some, it was ups and downs. That was really kind of the Jamal. I think we're starting to get used to. I mean, he still scores 31 points. Granted, he took, I think what, like 27 shots or something like that. So, I mean, he didn't, he wasn't the most efficient uh, scoring night possible, but he still scored, you know, still had 31 points. Still was a huge part of the win and, and flat out carried the team uh, during stretches of that game. I think maybe towards the end of the half though, you saw some uh, into the first half, you saw some, you know, some some kind of classic Jamal struggles, right? The stuff that we sometimes forcing shots that aren't necessarily really good looks at all. Um, and even as good as Jamal is, you know that he shouldn't be taking that. He shouldn't be trying to get that degree of difficulty shot to go down, especially in the you know second quarter. Uh, that's not needed. You also saw you know some of those ball handling issues that he's kind of always had, where he's he's always been more of a combo guard, not necessarily a point guard. And we saw that uh, in that San Antonio game, some of those turnovers, kind of dribbling into traffic, not really knowing where he's going, and then losing the ball uh, in a sea of of legs and arms. So that. That though I think is kind of you. You kind of just have to learn to take this with Jamal. Like that, that part of him is gonna be there. Luckily, those are things you know. Poor shot, shot decision making, and um, kind of driving out of control, running around a little bit out of control. Not one hundred percent have a plan what you're gonna do with the ball in your hands. Those are things that you you can develop um, at the NBA level to do, to mitigate those weaknesses. Those are things you can um, kind of take out of your game. It's not like, you know, we're saying, well, Jamal's just not athletic enough uh, to drive to the rim. That's not the case at all. You know, he's got the intangibles, the physical abilities. He's got the the basketball um, what do I want to say? instincts, I guess, uh, that are that are much harder to develop at this point in, in a person's career, right? He's got all that. It's stuff that you look at and it's it, you think, well, this is probably just – you know, um, being so young and, and being in the NBA now, like he still is figuring this out. Now, granted, Jamal's on his third year, so you're expecting him to start figuring this stuff out. And, and to some uh, to some effect, he has. I mean, I don't think anybody here is going to sit to say this isn't the best uh, season Jamal Murray has had so far in his NBA career. I think that's that's definitely the case. And and so he, he is making those strides, but they take time. I mean, you got to remember the guy was 19 when he, when he came into the NBA. He's 22 now. There's... There's a whole another 10, 15 years of Jamal Murray's career ahead of him. Um, you know, you think of a guy like Chauncey Billups, he didn't quite figure it out right away either. And then he ended up becoming, you know, one of the best point guards in the league and a finals MVP. Um, Jamal, Jamal, that's kind of where you hope Jamal works to, right? Because you think about a guy like Chauncey, what made him really good? What made him better? He learned how to slow down the game. Chauncey would talk about this. He would talk about how he would take, use the first half, 
really not try and do too much, just kind of work within the flow of the game, you know, take shots when they're available to him, make the right pass, those sort of things. But the whole time he's reading the defense, reading what they're what they're showing, how they're set up each time down, where their weaknesses are at. And then in the second half, that's when he takes over and he and he started to to attack the weaknesses that he saw. You know, that's the kind of thing you hope you see developed in Jamal Murray to where he understands, hey, I don't have to come out and shoot lights out from opening tip, right? Like I can take my time figure out exactly where the weaknesses are in this particular team and then attack those in the second half and be the closer that everybody wants Jamal to do. Ryan Blackburn had some um, interesting stats about Jamal, uh, particularly, you know, in in clutch situations as the NBA defines clutch situations. I think it's like within five points and under five minutes of the game. Um, Jamal's actually got a worse shooting percentage than, you know, mostly everybody in the NBA. Um, which is an interesting thing for a guy who's 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 tabbed kind of as the closer, but I think he's got that in the him. I think is the point. I think we're not we're seeing a blip uh, in in Jamal's shooting right now, and we saw it. Sorry, guys, we saw it. Uh, we saw it, you know him start to overcome that at least a little bit for two games against Phoenix and San Antonio. So uh, I, I still think. Jamal Murray is the closer for this team, and that's the guy they want to get the ball. And I think if he can learn to do things like Chauncey did, where he can take his time a little bit more early on and really zero in on what the defense is giving him, uh, I think he's got the capability to be to be really, really special. And I think that's just something we're just going to have to deal with that as, as we're going to have to go through these growing pains with him, right? He's not going to be uh, a Chauncey Billups type player right now. He's just not. He's not at that level uh, in his career yet. But he's got the ability to be that type of player. Uh, maybe a little bit more of a scorer than Chauncey was, but uh, you guys get what I'm saying. So, you know, with Jamal, I think we just take the lumps and uh, and then be happy with the 31 and the 46-point scoring efforts and, and know that he's probably going to get better and he's going to continue to to go on this upward trend uh, and be a really big piece for the Nuggets if he can do that. So the other the other things I want to take out of those games, those early ones, let's talk a little bit about the adjustments. It was kind of funny, you know, because as we all talked about this before the game, um, before that San Antonio game is like, this is this is kind of like a, a little mini, you know, preview of what, what the team might do in a playoff series. They've got the same team back to back. They got beat pretty good the first game. How are they going to adjust? What are they going to change? What's going to be their their moves that they're going to make? And you know, I thought it wasn't. It was kind of funny. I didn't think that they made uh, a ton of adjustments. I really didn't think that they did all that much different. They played defense on Lamarcus Aldridge a little bit tighter. Definitely made him work for it more. That that was a big part of it. <clears throat> but you know, it wasn't like they <coughs> for the. For the Nuggets, it's not like they they went away from Jokic, you know, and uh, decided that they they were gonna avoid that double team. They they still went through him, and he still, um, and he still took plenty of shots. I mean, he took fourteen shots on the game, so not not a ton, but I uh, had nearly had a triple double. I mean, I, I didn't notice anything in particular, I guess, in that game where I said, "Wow, they're doing something totally different." Their rotations were a little weird, uh, but they were weird the game before that too. So it was, you know, I'm not sure if. This is just coach trying to work through now as these guys are coming back from injury uh, and whatnot that that he's mixing and matching, trying to figure out once again, okay, what what groups are going to run with what. Um, But, you know, he – I don't think that there there was anything that I saw there that I said, man, this is they're do, doing something totally different. I think the most thing is Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic hit their shots, right? That was that was the biggest the biggest change. I mean, those guys had basically nothing going for them in that game in San Antonio. They came out and and they shot very well. Jokic uh, was very aggressive early on, made quite a few uh, quite a few buckets there to get him out of the gate and get him off to a good start, and then Jamal closed it out for him. That uh, that that's just kind of the recipe you want the Nuggets to to use, like we were talking about, uh, with Jamal being the closer. So I don't. I, it's funny as I I don't know if we can really glean too much from it uh, from all the the quote unquote adjustments that Coach uh, may or may not have made in that game because it's uh, like I said I think it mostly comes down to the guys making their shots. So that uh, that is there's not much you can do to coach that. It's just it's just sometimes the ball falls and sometimes it doesn't. So I wouldn't read too much into the San Antonio loss. The the win I think is a nice win. I thought both of those wins back to back were very nice wins uh, because you had lost back to back to the Clippers and to the Spurs in in pretty you know they, neither one of those losses was was ever really that that competitive. Um, 
so it was nice to get get back. You know, you get the game against San Antonio. That's that's an immediate chance to get revenge on a team who just beat you. They do that. They take care of business. Uh, they hold on. And, and and you know, San Antonio is a good team. Don't forget they've been they've been one of the hottest teams in the NBA uh, in the month of December. So they you get you get back to beating a good team like that. And then you've got of course the Suns who are not a good team. They're they're the worst team in the West. They're probably looking at trying to maybe get another you know top overall pick. But you've got uh, you've got them on the back to back, and boy, speaking of top overall picks, DeAndre Ayton kind of took them to task there in the second quarter. I mean, that guy was just having whatever he wanted on offense, and every time the Nuggets had a chance to pull away, uh, they couldn't do it, and then they 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 build a pretty decent sized lead, and then and then for whatever reason, Phoenix would come back. They did that in the fourth quarter as well, and then the Nuggets hold on, of course, again behind Jamal Murray's scoring. Outburst. It's just nice though to see them. I'm not. I'm not surprised the game like that goes down like that. Even though Phoenix is awful and you should blow them out when you're playing them in their house on the second night of a back to back. Like that's kind of, kind of what you you expect to see, right? Like you've got the overwhelming talent advantage, so you build up these leads, but you're tired. You're not bringing the same kind of energy that those guys are, and they're in their house, so the crowd's getting going when they're getting going, uh, and you see them kind of climb, keep climbing back into these. Uh, into the game like they did, so it wasn't it wasn't really very surprising to me that the that, that game went down that way. The thing that you like though, of course, is that they still get the job done. They still get the win, and that at the end of the day, you know, in May, April, no one's going to care uh, that Phoenix almost came all the way back on you back in December. All they're going to care is about is that there's a there's an extra number in the win column, and and you move on. So it really good to see them get those those two wins like that again. So many times we've seen it this year. They they've just solidified that they're a different team this year. You know that's that's something where you saw those first losses against the Clippers and the Spurs, and you had that back to back. You could very easily see this team in the past going on a four game losing streak. Uh, you know that 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 was something that I think was pretty commonplace that type of thing to happen in years past. But this year it's just not been the time and time again they've shown us that, and they did it again this week. You know you beat. You beat those two teams back to back like you should. You take care of business, and now you're right back rolling. And you got a fairly soft week in front of you, so um, a chance to once again get on another good winning streak, which has been kind of the story of the Nuggets thus far this season. Uh, one more thing, I guess we'll touch on before we uh, before we kick off. Uh, we'll take the break, and then we'll we'll throw it over to Evan and Kayla uh, to look forward to this week. But uh, Paul Millsap makes his return against the Phoenix Suns. Paul didn't uh, didn't stand out too much to me i guess in that game he um you know he came off the bench i wonder if tonight if he'll be off the bench or if he will um if they've seen enough now to make him start don't think that he's just going to be off the bench the entire year paul Millsap will of course start once again uh if you think about it look at it i mean uh, he only played 14 minutes in that game so they're they're bringing him back slowly and paul's guy with the uh with the toe injury uh you know there's not a broken toe is a broken toe, right? Uh, you get it reset. To, you you kind of uh, he was in a boot for a while to let it start healing. Then he got out of the boot, and now it's just a matter of pain tolerance. Uh, the problem is, is anybody who's had a toe injury knows they pain tolerance is a constant thing uh, with a toe injury. Every single thing you do, you walk, you jump, you run, uh, unless you're lying on the couch. You you're gonna feel it in your toe. So we know Paul can play through injury. We saw him do that last year. Uh, it'll be something interesting to watch. See how much it affects him because, like I said, it's it's a, it's a pain tolerance thing, but it's a it's a tough pain tolerance thing to get over because it is constant and it uh, and it it can be quite debilitating. As speaking as someone who's had uh, some toe injuries in the past, I know how how hard it can be to just do your regular life uh, when you have a toe injury. So it'll be interesting to see that from Paul. I wonder if they will continue, you know, so they played him 14 minutes. I would expect maybe they'll still bring him off the bench tonight, maybe get him more around the 25-minute mark. Uh, and then after that, you know, maybe roll him into the starting job uh, against Sacramento. The other guy that we might see tonight is Gary Harris. Listed as questionable for the New York Knicks game. Most of the time, Nuggets have basically not listed a guy questionable unless they plan on him playing. That could be the case again tonight. I would expect a similar sort of thing. Um, you know, 14, 15 minutes, maybe up to 20, depending on the way the game goes. Uh, off the bench, Torrey Craig, I would anticipate, will still start, and they'll get and slowly start to bring Gary back. It's going to be an interesting thing now to see over the month of January. We should pretty much get everyone back. 
that's been playing already this season. I don't know about Isaiah Thomas yet um, or Michael Porter Jr. or Jared Vanderbilt, but uh, the other the other three guys, Will Barton, Gary Harris, Paul Millsap, those should, guys should all be coming back here very soon. Obviously, Paul is back. Gary's maybe back, back tonight. And then uh, Will Barton, I don't think, will be too far behind him. So all these guys are in there. Uh, and, and ready to go. It's going to be interesting to see how Coach integrates them over this month of January. It's a, a month where they've got a, not very many quality opponents, uh, but a lot of road games. So it's going to be tough to see see how they handle that now with also the uh, reintegrating guys back into the lineup. You know, you would think with all these guys coming back, you, you start looking at, well, so who's going to be the odd man out? Where's the rotation going to go? Well, you know, you're going to have your, your starting five like it was on opening night. And then I think your backups are going to be, you know, Monty Morris, Malik Beasley, um, Wancho, and Lyles, and Plumley. The only thing is, is a coach, he was on that 10-man rotation to start the year. Um, Malik was maybe getting like 10 minutes a game. But Malik's played really well, so I think he deserves minutes. The one thing I'll be curious to see, and we'll talk about this uh, a little bit in the second half of the show, but one thing I'll be cur- curious to see is whether or not um, – Trey Lyles can maintain playing time because if you look at all of your your bench guys, he's probably the one who's been struggling the most. I assume Torrey Craig is going to be be out of the rotation. Um, not that Torrey Craig has been overwhelmingly struggling. It's just he is what he is. And if you, you're looking for a guy who's going to be a, a defensive stopper on your wings and you've got Gary Harris, uh, who can also be a huge part of your offense, you know, obviously he's going to play. And then with the way Malik's playing, I don't think you bench him either, so I think Tor Craig's probably on the way out. And then I'll be interested to see if Trey Lyles uh, can maintain his spot because I think Coach mostly would prefer probably a nine-man rotation instead of a ten, which would mean you would probably uh, have Wancho just play the combo four, and you can also have Malik play some small forward uh, minutes for you as well. If, if you have that group, I think then there's not a ton of time for Trey Lyles, so... Uh, going to be an interesting to see how that one goes. Lyles, of course, in a contract year. Nuggets have a decision to make on him by the end of the year. So uh, we'll talk about that, too. We talked a little bit about trades uh, and who we, who we thought maybe the Nuggets might move around the deadline. That name came up. So one other as well. So I'll tell you what. Let's go ahead. Let's do that. Let's hit the break. And then when we come back, we'll get Mr. Mr. Evan Fiala and Kayla Osby on here. Ms. Kayla Osby. And we will uh, we'll cover the week, the upcoming week that is. been there when the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest that's when disaster strikes the last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business maybe your light suddenly won't turn on or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling heck maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new ac unit whatever your need may be give sun electrical a call They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range, and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Welcome back, everybody, to Pickaxe Pundit Show. Zach and Gosh, DenverStiffs.com. 
spent the first part of that show talking about that win over the Spurs and the Suns. Big back-to-back wins. Uh, important, I think, for the Nuggets to get both of those, as we were saying. Now we will turn our focus towards the upcoming week. Nuggets have three games on the slate this week. Two at home, I believe one on the road. And I also think as we are here now at the new year, it is... Uh, officially 2019, at least it will be tomorrow. Um, we, uh, what, what better time than I think kind of just take, take the temperature of the team right now. So, uh, that's kind of how we will, we will finish out the show today to do that with me. I have two guests, two co-hosts, um, with me, two people who haven't been on in a bit. So very happy to have them both here. First off down in Denver, it is Miss Kayla Osby. Kayla, what's happening? Hey Zach, not much. Thanks for having me on again. Absolutely, absolutely. How was your Christmas? Yeah. It was good. Yeah. How about yours? Mine, uh, mine is was was rough. Every every other year, I go. I shouldn't say rough. That's bad. Um, every other year, I go down to Texas. Uh, that's where my wife's family is at. The problem that I have though is not only is it Christmas, but my daughter was born the day after Christmas. So Uh-oh. we go we go down there, and then I've got to figure out how to get. Two kids worth of Christmas presents and one kid worth of birthday presents back up to Colorado. Oh, is wow. deal every time we made yeah, it this that time. Stressful. It is. It is. We were uh, we were packed in there like sardines, and it's a sixteen hour drive, so it's not exactly. Uh, oh wow. Very very comfortable, but yeah, we made it through. We made it through. Um, also joining us, and hopefully not having as harsh of a Christmas, but down in Texas, I do believe uh, it is Mr. Evan Fiala. Evan, what's happening? Not much, man. I'm actually in uh, Salt Lake City right now, but are, are you uh, but things are good. Yeah, back in Salt Lake uh, City or just hanging out in Salt Lake City? Just just hanging out for the, you know, taking time off work, spending time with family and whatnot. But fair enough. Fair enough. Did you have a good? Christmas but yeah, I'll be well, back in Texas. Yeah, it was good. It was nice. Good. Good deal. Well, happy to yeah. hear it. Well, let's. Uh... I'm sure nobody else listening to this really cares, so <laughs> we're just going to move on uh, from our Christmases. I uh, hope everybody out there did have a good one and uh, had a good New Year's Eve uh, tonight as well in front of them. So let's uh, let's dive in. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this first. Let's 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 do the take the temperature part. Okay. So we're at we are at basically uh, not quite the halfway point, but we're getting close. We're probably about like what maybe like forty percent of the way through the seasons. The Nuggets still sit at the top um, of the Western Conference going into going into this month. Obviously, that I don't know that the last time that's happened. If that is, uh, it may have never even have happened before, um, or if it, if it did, it's probably back in like you know maybe the eighties or something. So it's been a while. Um, both of you, of course, lifelong Nuggets fans. Kayla, let me ask you first. I guess in your yeah. lifetime, you I know you started kind of uh, maybe around the mellow era, but mm-hmm. uh, what what would you where would you rank this team amongst all the teams that you've seen? Um, I would definitely rank it um, probably definitely top three right now. I think it it depends a lot on how far they go in the playoffs. Um, I think if this team can, I mean, right now it looks like we have a shot to. Um, maybe make a run at like going to the conference finals. And if we do that, I think it would definitely probably be the, um, I think even the best team, um, at least as far as like the, their potential, I think they have a, a chance to compete for a championship in the next few years. So, um, but I, as, as of right now, I'd say it's probably top three, top three. So you'd probably put like, mm-hmm. I'm guessing like what, maybe like the Oh nine team and then the 2013. Yeah. yeah and I think we have a, yeah, I think we have a chance to be better than those two, but right now I, I would probably say it's those three teams. Right, I'm with you on that. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a prove it uh, mm-hmm. moment for us because uh, we, if you're talking about your favorite Nuggets teams, anybody who's been a fan of this team for more than you know the past few years has has seen them go to the playoffs um, and likely seen them at least have that one year mm-hmm. playoff success in 09. So I think I'm with you on that. They've got to kind of at least get to that point first before we can start putting them in that group. What about you, Evan? Is it about the playoff success or are you already? Uh, going to call this one of your your best or maybe even the best Nuggets team that you've seen yeah it's it's about the playoffs which you know for Denver unfortunately it's a pretty low bar to right to hurdle which should you know <clears throat> shouldn't be too hard to clear hopefully the next few years or so uh, I think right now I'll have them third behind those other two teams I guess we'll see how the regular season ends up um, shouldn't be too hard to beat the 2013 team as well though but Right. As long as they uh, 
you know, make some noise in the playoffs, they'll be up there for sure. And I, I do think this is the most fun team I've seen them or I've seen, I guess, um, just in terms of the way they play and how they're winning and uh, and all that. And I do think ceiling wise, they definitely have the, the potential to be the best Nuggets team in history. And Evan, you're you're kind of like the same with Kayla, right? You probably started watching the team right around the the beginning of the Mellow era. Yeah, yeah. See, that's that, and so that's very interesting to me because I I um I'm a little bit older than you guys, so I I remember the the I the '94 team. That's always been my mm-hmm. uh, my favorite team, and I've always kind of compared this team to that team because it's very similar. You have a star center that you're building around, obviously a totally different type of center, but you got the star center you're building around, and then you pick up some some guards, some young guards in the draft. Uh, those kind of you know you look at Gary Harris versus Brian Stiff. Those guys are very similar. Jamal Murray, Mahmoud Abdul Roof, very similar. Uh, as well, the the Nuggets don't have maybe that that power forward or that that scoring forward that that '94 team had in Lafonso Ellis, but still the same kind of thing. This young group, a very young core of players that they'd been built through the draft, and then they were uh, they were starting to make some noise. Of course, that team falls apart for a, a myriad of of different reasons, sort of similar to how the 2013 falls apart for a, uh, a myriad of different reasons. Actually, I'm the 09 team as well. but So I would put that other 94 team in that group right now, um, just because, like I said, that, that uh, harks back to my childhood, really. Um, but they would they would certainly be there. And I'm with both of you. It's, it's uh, all of those teams, I get, well, with the exception of the, the 2013 team, but the 09 team, the 94 team, they both found success in the playoffs. Granted, they didn't make it to the finals, uh, 94 team, of course, loses game seven in the second round against Utah. Uh, thank you, Evan. And then the, um, obviously we all know it has the 09 team at the Lakers in that Western conference finals. So like Evan said, there's not a huge bar to clear here in terms of playoff success, essentially win a playoff series and you're going to be right in the mix, um, get to the finals and you automatically become the greatest team in Nuggets history. So it, it's, it's right in that mix. So I think that's, what's the exciting part about it, right? Is like they're they're right there. Like these are teams that you think this team, you think, as you guys both said, that ceiling is incredibly high and it's, it's, it's incredibly exciting to watch and to see them do it, to see it realized. Cause I think we felt this way about, especially Nikola Jokic for a while, but we haven't seen them. They've always been on the outside looking in, trying to get that last spot in the playoffs, which is fine, but it's not what you will, what you think of when you're talking about the best teams in Nuggets history um, <clears throat> to see them now kind of putting this together where you're really feeling, Hey, they're going to make some noise in the playoffs this year. It, uh, uh, it's exciting. So, uh, like I said, I'm with I'm with both of you. I think that was good, good way to put it. Not there yet, but the ceiling could potentially is is as high as anybody, and so they could potentially be the best, uh, the best team out there. All right, let's go. Let's look ahead to our our schedule now. We've got one coming up here. Uh, what is it? Tuesday night, tomorrow night against the New York Knicks. They will be in Denver. It is Emmanuel Mudiay's return to the Pepsi Center. Uh, the once face of the franchise point guard now. Uh, now playing in New York after a, a fairly, uh, fairly, uh, I don't even, I don't even know how to put it. It's just a, a very uh, small trade. Um, that, that when you think about what they got back for him, it was Devin Harris uh, for about a month, and that that was pretty much all they took back in return for Emmanuel. Uh, Evan, I mean, do you do you have regrets about trading him away? Even now knowing that hey, all you really got was a Devin Harris rental for one month, and you didn't even get into the playoffs. Um, do you regret making that move or you still think that was the way to go? I have absolutely no regrets on that move. <laughs> um, especially now you look and see how Jamal Murray has flourished. Monte Morris has come out of nowhere and proven to be just an incredible playmaker and point guard as well. Uh, there's no reason anyone should have any regrets for trading Moutier other than for sentimental reasons, yeah. You know, he was labeled as the face of the franchise, like you were saying and all that, but he couldn't really live up to it. He's getting a, a better opportunity in New York to to develop and grow, and so I think it's right now it's been a win-win for both sides. Devin Harris is a moot point. He didn't really do anything here anyway, so I have no regrets. 
Right, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, I think some people might, if they if they wanted to be upset about the trade now, in retrospect, they might kind of get hung up on the fact that you only got, you know, this vet point guard to play back up for about a month or so. But I, I agree with you. I think it's kind of a moot point because you, it wasn't really the purpose of the trade. It was more like, okay, we've got Gary Harris and Jamal Murray. That's clearly our starting backcourt. Uh, we're even, when we have Emmanuel Moutier on the floor as a backup, it's really, really actually hurting us, um, because it's such a drop off in, 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 in the play that, that they just had to kind of move on. And it's not necessarily to say that Emmanuel was so terrible or was, I mean, he was terrible. Let's, let's not sugarcoat it. Let's let's be honest. (laughs) Right. But, um, you know, it's not that he doesn't have the ability to be good or, or to find a, a niche in the NBA where he can be a successful player, but it was not going to happen uh, in the scenario he was in Denver. At least that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Kayla, what about you? Do you, yeah. you regret yeah. trade? Think they should have got more or, or what? Um, no, I completely agree. I think um, he was. It was always going to be we had to keep Jamal Murray and Gary Harris, so Woody um, was never going to really be in there. Long term, uh, long term plans for us, um, and yeah, especially now that uh, Murray's playing really well and Monte Morris. Um, I, I think Moody, even though he's been having a better season, it probably wouldn't have happened in Denver uh, just because of how deep we are. So, um, yeah, I have I have no regrets at all about it. Right. That's, that's, I mean, when you think about it, Moody has started 23 games this year in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he was in Denver, he would have been starting zero. That's, that's just the way it was. And I think that you both brought up Monty Morris and that's, that's the thing last year that I don't think anybody even realized when they made the trade that they actually had that, you know, in their, in their back pocket that here was this guy who's, you know, I saw this morning people, people throwing around stuff like he, he's a potential six man of the year candidate, um, which is which I don't think he, I don't think he'll win six man of the year. He's a little bit too unknown, not quite not quite up there with like a guy like Lou Williams. But but to even have him like in that conversation and here last year he was a guy on a two way contract playing in the G League when you made this Moutier trade, like um that's that's just a huge, a huge bonus they didn't even realize they had. And it really takes any sting off of it because now you know you've got your your starting and your backup point guard for you know, for the better part of uh, hopefully the next decade if, if it all works out and and hopefully for Moutier you know he he gets things figured out he has played you know he's I, I'm not quite as much on board with everybody it was some people's takes that like he's completely turned it around in New York I think you know he's still uh, still struggling with his with some things that we've seen here in Denver but he has played better there's no doubt about that and 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 New York is a team who's not trying to make the playoffs right now right so they're gonna take the lumps uh with Moutier whereas the Nuggets at first were willing to do that clearly I mean they started the guy as a 19 year old point guard but um that quickly that time quickly ran out with the rise of Jokic and they realizing hey with this with this kid at center we can probably make a make some noise right now. Uh, the the time they had to wait for Moody to, to kind of figure it out, I think, um, I think just basically it ran out, and so that works better for him in New York. Let me ask you this, Kayla: um, You think he gets booed at the at the Pepsi Center on Tuesday? Uh, I I don't think so. I mean, I hope not. Because um, yeah, he didn't he didn't do anything um, that I think fans would would feel like they have to boo him for, and um, I think fans will probably just. Uh, be happy for him that he's um, proud of home in New York. Hopefully, so. Um, I yeah, I hope they don't move him. Right, Evan, you the, you feel the same way? I don't uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think he'll get much of a reception at all. But um, do you think he'll get a video tribute? <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about the video tribute. is there are there any highlights to show? Of him? Is there, there are a couple, right? I mean, he had that. Remember that half quarter against the six. What's funny is he hits that half court buzzer beater against the Sixers. I remember this, and it was like after he almost dribbled the ball like off his foot and and lost it. He grabbed it and heaved it, and, and it went in. So there there are some there are some highlights. That's a good point. Will he get so, a video tribute? He'll have a he'll have a ten second highlight video. There you go. Yeah, the good things he did in Denver. Uh, that's being a little harsh. I, I I bet he'll get a good reception though. Yeah, I think so too. I think actually, I think he'll get cheers. I think I'm with you. I think some people, uh, the the Nuggets fans. There's a lot of Nuggets fans. Let's be honest, who are fairly new to this team as of like you know April of last season. So they're they probably don't even there is going to be a, I think a good portion of people who don't even realize he actually played for them, and that's kind of sad considering it's not even been a full year since he's been gone. But um, 
So I don't know if it'll be that big of a reception. I, I, I'm with Caleb, though. I hope certainly nobody boos him. It was nothing that Emmanuel did other than he just couldn't put together his play. But as far as, you know, it's not like a Yusuf Nurkic situation where he pouted his way out of here or something like that. No. I mean, he was, yeah, he was by oh, all yeah. means a, uh, you know, a stand-up guy. So uh, He and, just couldn't and, play basketball. Right, right. I mean, there were some things that got a little a little i guess as a person who who's been in the locker room and, and, and interviewing the guys it was a little annoying that he basically uh just stopped talking to the media uh midway through the year last year but uh he was going through a lot and he's a young guy and so you you can see i guess where he's coming from that from he never let it affect his teammates uh, yeah like, like Nurkic did so that's that's kind of that's i think you give him you give him a pat on the back on that and you, and you give him a, a cheer maybe a quick video tribute like you said evan i was just thinking about how jameer nelson said that you know for his they'd probably just mail it to him so maybe we did that <laughs> <laughs> but no i think it'll be good for good for moody and hopefully they do do a little something to recognize his time here um all right so the nuggets the other two games they've got on the slate they've got the hornets um at the end of the end of the week and then they've got the uh, i believe the kings here in the middle of the week on the road um kayla would you i mean obviously the knicks and the hornets those are teams at home you expect to beat uh, the Kings game on the road, that's a little sneakier than, than it has been in the past, but would you expect them or, or do you think the expectation should be that they go three and all in these next three? I, I think, I, I actually think so because, um, in past it felt like, um, when there were these stretches where we, um, fans started to expect them to, to sweep it, they, it always seemed like they dropped at least one, but this season it actually, um, has been turning out that they've been winning the games that they're supposed to, um, like that home stretch that they, that they swept. So I, I think so. I think the Kings game is definitely the toughest, but um, hopefully we have some guys coming back um, right. to help us out. So I think the expectation should be that we, that we sweep it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a good point too, about the injuries. I hadn't thought, I mean, obviously we saw Paul Millsap come back um, there against the, against the Suns, And then we should, we, I would think we've heard that Gary Harris is very close as well. So, uh, and then I believe I just heard, I think Adam Mars was just telling us uh, that he coach kind of made it sound like everybody's, fairly close at least in terms of uh harris Millsap and, and uh, barton so maybe even barton's not as far off he, we all heard that he was fairly close and then he kind of seems like maybe he had a setback or something because suddenly he was a few weeks out but um that's a good point about the injuries i think um it's gonna be i for whatever reason they always struggle with the hornets i don't know why um it seems like that's in the Malone Jokic era. That's been a team that's always had their thorn, had a thorn in their side. Them, the Hawks, weird teams to be to lose against. So that that one worries me. I'm with you as well, though. I think the Kings game is certainly the the one to watch out for. I'm a big fan of this new Kings team. They they remind me a lot of this Nuggets team just a few years a few years earlier. They got a lot of young guys, talented guys, probably still trying to put it together for a full season. Um, but you know, Nuggets are gonna you would assume or 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 will be close to the the top seed in the West when they go in there. So that's the type of team a young team is gonna get up for. Um, what about you, Evan? Are you on the same the same role? It's gonna be it's gonna be a three and week for us. I am, yeah. And um, I was just thinking about this, like my mentality of how I view this team is completely changed given their success this year. And I think Jamal Murray had a really good quote earlier in the year when they started off nine and one. He said. We were like some along the lines of how they they play to win every game because they know how like one loss can keep them out of the playoffs or whatever. So their whole you know their whole mentality on the year has changed as well, and it's shown. Like this is the first time it's actually shown where they're on winning streaks and winning tough games on the road on back to backs and and all that. And so now my view is I expect them to win. I expect them to win every game, especially some of these easy ones, the Knicks for sure. Right. Uh, so I don't think it'll be easy. I don't think they'll blow out every all three teams, but they've shown and proven already this year that they can win tough games on the road. They can win against good opponents like the Hornets. Um, so I I'm expecting them to go three and zero. I think having you know other players come back healthy, even if not, they've shown that the bench can step up. Guys like Malik Beasley can come out and just ball and win and and uh so i I feel pretty confident yeah. this week and moving forward the schedule in january is pretty light which is nice 
Yeah, it's kind of an interesting. It's an interesting schedule. A lot of road games, but not a lot of quality opponents. So yeah, uh, it's it's one of those things where you're right. Maybe in the past you would maybe be a little nervous because the the dropping a road game against a less than quality opponent was kind of the Nuggets mo there for a couple seasons. Um, and time and time again, we've seen that this year, as you said, uh, Evan, that it's just been they've they've changed the mentality like they you, you and you can see it because it's easy to pay that lip service to the microphone and say oh we take one game at a time every game is important blah 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 uh it's it's different to actually go out there and on the court and show it um and they've done that even i mean even these last two you look at that 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 san antonio uh phoenix back to back i mean it's not it's not the biggest thing in the world if they if they drop one or even two of those games, but you're coming off that loss in San Antonio. You're going to be at home, and then you're going to Phoenix, a, a team who's really bad. Like you really should um, take care of business. But that that second night of a back to back on the road against a lousy team, that's again a type of game that the Nuggets have classically struggled with. They they didn't, and and I said it on last week's pod. I said you know you, you're starting to get to a point where. You have to just stop saying, well, you know, this is a team last year would have done this, and you have to start believing, well, th- that's not this team anymore, right? This is this is a team who is is taking care of business, and you should expect them to take care of business. So I, I think that's a, that's a great point. I'm a little more nervous to say 3-0 just because I think the Kings are sneakier, uh, like I said, than people think. And I think, yeah. I think they're a team, honestly, I would say this – I was going to say, I think it's a, a team you could honestly maybe see in the first round of the playoffs. The thing that would make me wonder is I don't know if the Nuggets hold on to the number one seed in the conference, but I do think uh, the Kings end up being the eighth seed this year, or or they're going to end up being like the Nuggets, meaning like a game out. Um, but so that's a, that's a team that I think will, it'll be interesting to see a really good a good matchup of some young cores and some um, some teams that maybe down the road will be facing each other quite a bit in the postseason. All right, uh, let's let's do one. Th- we'll throw in one more thing here before we get out of here this week on the Pickaxe Pundit Show. Uh, we are now in turning into 2019. December 15th is quote unquote the unofficial start of trade season, but really. Once you move into the new year, that's when it heats up uh, because you've only got about six weeks until the deadline. Um, Kayla, I'll ask you first. Is there any move or any kind of trade you think the Nuggets should be trying to do? Um, I think the only moves that they might want to try to do is try to just um, maybe consolidate some players um, just because once everybody comes back healthy, it's going to be tough to to find minutes for them. But I don't think they're going to do that this season just because of all the injuries that they've had. Um, It's probably safer to just stick with what we have, especially since we've been playing so well. Um, But just maybe off season, I I could see them trying to move um, Lyles or, or somebody else on the bench that probably won't get a lot of minutes next season. Right, yeah, that's a uh, that's a good point. Lyles is one of those guys too that, like, if you're gonna move, you know, obviously because he he can be a free agent now. They'll have he'd be restricted, so the Nuggets would have the opportunity to match any contract he was offered. But so if you're if you know now, like, you're like, well, I don't know about Trey Lyles um, being being in our long term plans, and I don't know that we want to pay him, you know, a, a bigger contract next year. Then that would be that would be the, that was the one guy I was going to mention. Would it would be maybe the guy you look to move because you figure. As guys get healthy, as Millsap gets healthy, and as Barton gets healthy, that's going to kind of eat up those starting minutes. That should, in theory, eat up all the starting minutes that Wancho's been getting. Um, so you could have Wancho kind of roll into Lyle's minutes that he's been getting on the bench, and then now you've got Lyle's extra. You could let him walk at the end of the year for nothing. You could resign him, or maybe you deal him now at the deadline, try and get him and, and Leiden or something, try and get like a draft pick or something. Your, your draft pick stock is a little bit bare, especially your second rounders, because you've been trading those off to dump contracts. So that would be the guy I would I would probably look at. What about you, Evan? Is there any kind of move that you think the Nuggets might be, might look to make at the deadline? I don't think they're going to make much noise at the deadline, but I hope, I'm with you, I hope they get rid of Lyles. I don't think he's that great of a fit with this team at all. Um, and I, the worst case scenario this summer is that they re-sign him, right. in my opinion. I just don't think he's cut out for it and uh not that he's not a great player because he he provides a lot of energy off the bench every now and then but i don't see him having a spot in the rotation and he's not a good enough shooter this year to to surpass wancho or anything um if they are looking for you know draft picks or something else to stock up on malik beasley's another candidate i think for for that because he's been playing well he's got to have some value at least 
at this point. Um, I don't think they need to get rid of him by any means, but that's I'd be okay, I guess, if if he were traded. Right. The thing about Beasley uh, that'll be a big difficult because you're right. I mean, Beasley's played really well, uh, and he's certainly certainly been been a big uh, a. a I would say a bigger positive than Lyles, at least uh, to their rotation right now. But if Isaiah, I now I now preface it with the word "if," which is funny. Uh, if Isaiah Thomas ever gets healthy and and, and comes out and plays, well, you're not going to bench Monty Morris, so you're gonna you're not going to bench Jamal Murray or Gary Harris or anything like that. So you're starting to figure out, okay, where where does this guard rotation fit? Now I've got Will Barton back. I'm trying to get Wancho minutes now as well because he's not starting anymore. Malik, you could see, is the guy who just kind of gets squeezed. Uh, you're obviously expecting Tory Craig to be squeezed out. That might be another guy you might see get tossed in a deal. Um, but Malik, probably out of anybody who they could, they could trade, and, and probably wouldn't be the end of the world or wouldn't be a huge deal. Um, and get the most value out of is probably Malik Beasley, right? Because I'm with you. I think he's he's shown that hey, he can play in the league. He's uh, he's still got another year on his rookie deal, so he's cheap. Uh, right now, a team would have obviously still have control of him in free agency. So um, that guy, I think, definitely has some value and, and might be the only guy I could see them dealing who could potentially return a first rounder, maybe a late round first rounder. Or maybe, you know, maybe you consolidate two guys like a Lyles and a Beasley deal and that might get you a first rounder or something like that. Um, I could see them going that way. I, I would... It's, it's so weird. It's kind of crazy how much has changed in just these few months. But it, Malik is like now a guy who I would really... it would. Man, I would I would be conflicted, you know, about trading him because he's he's played just so well, and especially maybe it's just because these past two games he's played uh, really well. So um, maybe that's what it is. It's what have you done for me lately? I guess. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we will uh, we will go ahead and we'll wrap it right there. It was um, uh, excellent, excellent second half there. I really enjoyed this one. So uh, I'm gonna have to have Mister Mister Fiala and Miss Osby on uh, more often. But uh, Evan and Kayla, to both of you. Thank you very much for being on. Yeah, I appreciate no it. Yeah, thanks, Zach. Absolutely. And make sure everybody, you got make sure you're following them out on Twitter. Evan is at E.E. Fiala. Uh, Kayla is at Nugget Chica. No K in the Chica there. Uh, I'm at Zach Mikosh. If you want to follow me, there is a K in that. Uh, you'll have to look up my name to figure out how the rest of it is spelled. Also, make sure you're following, out, following us at Denver Stiffs uh, over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs and following on Facebook, giving us a like there. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast network, Denver Stiffs Podcast Network. That's where you'll find pickaxe. The, uh, what else we got on there? Nuggets numbers. Uh, I can't even think of the rest. The dig. And uh, Full Court Press. There we go. There we go. There's our whole podcast lineup. Great stuff. So you want to make sure you uh, subscribe to that on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever. And also check out our YouTube channel. We've got a pretty cool YouTube channel. Definitely where you can catch post-game, pre-game press conferences. Some good uh, some good video content over there as well. So make sure you're subscribed to that as well. All right, everybody. Well, we will talk to you next week. <laughs>